My father was a lifelong golfer. And when I was little, he used to let me caddy for him. And uh, he never liked the way I held the club or how I swung the golf club at the ball. And so I never developed a love for the game. But I have lots of friends and lots of relatives, both male and female, that love to golf. And one, one of the aspects of golf that I never could really understand was how they could decide when to use which kind of an iron and which kind of a club. They're tools. They're meant to get the golf ball from one part of the fairway closer to the hole in the on the green. Like all tools, it takes a certain amount of expertise in order to know which tool to use when. It's the same thing with woodworking or any other skill around the house. Every tool has a narrow, well-defined use, but there are always people who experiment with the tools that they have for their craft. There is no reason why when you start to use technology, you can't experiment like that as well. When I first began to use technology, there were a limited number of tools, software tools, that I could use with my students. And there are a limited number of places I could deploy those tools to help my students learn. I remember very clearly way back at the beginning when I learned about a particular tool, piece of software, that students could use to create videos. This was a long time ago, before even Windows 95 and wireless technology. But I remember sitting in my lab, in my library, with the grade 7 and the grade 8 students at different times, and let them experiment, play with the tools that I gave them. But I used to watch them. I didn't walk away and not observe how they were, they were using the tools. And like all children or young adults, they weren't afraid to experiment. The next thing you know, this one had learned to use this part of the tool to add a music video. And this one had learned how to use another part of the tool to add a picture. And of course, as soon as they did something, the student next to them, the several students next to them would say, well, how did you do that? How did you do that? Tell me how I got to do that like you did. And the next thing you know, everybody was using that tool. The same thing applies today. 
The only problem is, is that there are all kinds of software tools and there are all kinds of websites. The important thing, though, is when you start to use technology for teaching, whether you're a parent trying to teach your kids at home or supervise your kids as they're working on something, or you're a teacher who wants them to learn something in a particular way, you have to not be afraid to experiment. Of course, first of all, you need to do some research. You need to know what the tool is and how it can possibly be used. But then you have to stop and think about it. How can I use this with my students? But today, you have the advantage of what I had when I was sitting with my students, I was standing with my students in the library and watching them learn how to use this piece of software. I could learn from them. And they were not afraid to ask each other. I don't know why it is that in a school of teachers, people are afraid to ask their colleagues, their friends, how they did something. One of the downsides of teaching is that everybody goes in there thinking they have to prove that they can be good. And somehow or another, even when we're young, we get this idea that we have to, we have to do it on our own. It's not the same if you get somebody else to show you. It's not the same if you ask this person and that person. You need to prove it on your own. There are those that are like that. There are times to do that, and there are times when, there, when you shouldn't do that. And it seems to me that one of the... One of the reasons why so many teachers today are afraid to use online learning, for instance, is that they're, they don't know what they have to do, and they're afraid that if they do something the wrong way, it's going to blow up in their faces, and they're not going to be so successful. When I first used to ask my students, how did you do this and how did you do that? And I would experiment myself. I didn't worry if I didn't get it perfect because practice makes perfect. The same thing when my father was on the golf course and he would use one club versus another or one iron versus another. What is good for one person is not at all good for another person. But you only learn what's good for you by trying and not being afraid. One of the things we learn as we become more expert at teaching is that we have to encourage our students to be risk takers. It's only through taking a risk that we make advances in what we're able to do. I remember one of my grandfathers always used to say, you have to learn from your mistakes. You make a mistake, you go back and you try to fix it by trying some other way. The very first time you try to use a particular program, 
like I spoke about in the in the last couple of of online learning tool uh, lessons, like using something like Zoom. At the beginning, you're a novice; you don't know anything. You ask somebody, and then you help them. They help you rather get going. This week, I spoke to a close friend who wanted to have a Zoom or wanted to participate in a Zoom service that I'm holding. And I told him I was going to invite him to a meeting on Zoom so he can experiment with it. Hopefully he's downloaded Zoom, I told him to, and hopefully he's gotten my invitation. He needs more reassurance than other people, so I've got to help him go slowly. But other people don't need to go one step at a time. They go by leaps and bounds. One of the ways in which we're going to have to help our society is to encourage our students to be better at taking risks. It's risk takers who become our inventors, who stop and think about not adding two and two so you get four, but adding one and one and one and one, or one and two and one, or three and one. Doesn't matter, the end is the same. We have to learn how to try different ways and know that there's no right way to do anything. I remember standing in front of my students when I was teaching in the teacher educa education program and saying that when you decide you want to learn how to cook or bake, oftentimes you begin with a recipe. But those people who make the decision, they're going to learn how to cook before you know what, they don't need a recipe. My mother and her three sisters spent lifetimes trying to decide who could make the best cabbage borscht like their mother, or the best sponge cake like their mother, or the best gefilte fish like their mother, or the best baked white fish like their mother. And it didn't matter. Because in the end, they all were good cooks. They just didn't want to admit it to each other. And they, it was part of the sibling rivalry. But as we begin to experiment with something, we have to remember nobody's judging us. If you're a parent and you want to help your child learn using Zoom, or you want to help your child using a virtual field trip or anything else. The first time it's not going to go that well, probably. But each time you try, if you think about what went wrong and how you can make it better, you will soon see that you become more expert. Using technology is no different than anything else. We all begin as novices, and our goal is always to be expert at it. And we learn how to become expert through experimentation and research 
and by asking questions of other people without thinking they're going to judge us because they might be less an expert on some things and you can be less an expert on other things. It all evens out. So at the end of the day, to become better risk takers is to take risks and know that nobody is judging you. Get out there and use the technology and try and try and try and reflect and reflect and reflect. Over time, you become an expert. I think anyways. Good luck.